It's time to take a ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome into another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That's Alan Saunders. If you enjoyed the song that you were just listening to, tell a friend to tell a friend that we are 66 subscribers away from listening to about a minute and 30 rendition of that same song. Alan, what's going on? I think we're more excited about it than the, than the viewers oh, absolutely. at this point. But I'm, I'm excited. It's beautiful football weather. Uh, it's football season. The leaves here on the south side are changing. Uh, and I think we have a good show today. I think we've got a lot of good stuff going on and coming up. I'm hyped. Let's get into it. We have a good show today. As you can see, Alan is driving right now. I believe he's actually heading to Houston to be able to get ready to play tackle for them on Sunday uh, with the state of the Houston Texans offensive line. Today, we learned that not only is Laramie Tunsil on track to miss his third consecutive game with a knee injury, the backup option there, Josh Jones, who they brought over from Arizona this past offseason, with a hand injury is not expected to be able to go. So I just got off the phone. They're seeing if I can, how quickly I can get in there and start getting into the playbook and stuff. You're on your way there now. I, I don't know that I like our chances against Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt on Sunday, but in all reality, that offensive line is basically Shaq Mason and some duct tape right now. That duct tape includes uh, rookie Jarrett Patterson, who's a sixth-round pick, and mm-hmm. Kendrick Green, uh, both yeah. starting at center and guard. Um, this is a very, very bad offensive line, and it should be one that the Steelers should be able to feast upon, both in stopping the run and, I think, in the pass rush. I think this I – mean, like the Steelers have played some tough matchups so far, and even the Raiders, while they are not an overall good team – they have some good players. Uh, I feel like this is the time when uh, this is a matchup the Steelers should win and win easily. Don't, don't, don't you get that? Like, I, I just feel yeah. like this, this should be like – this is the first game I'm going into. Like, the Steelers should, should kind of roll on this one. It almost makes you wonder, like, I don't know, did you watch any of that Texans-Jaguars game? Like, what in the world is going on with the Jaguars that they weren't even able to get near C.J. Stroud? Hang on. We're going to stop this whole podcast right now. There's a car in front of me with a a uh, uh, a license plate, a, a vanity license plate, Air, A-I-R, we go, W-E-G-O, which if you've never been to Pittsburgh, doesn't seem to make any sense. But when you can get <laughs> in the little, Air we go. Yeah. Ah. Does it, does it. the vehicle look any, is it there anything cool no, about it, the vehicle? It's black, just a license plate. It's black, yeah. but it's, it's, okay. but it's, but, but, but points for that. I I I, I mm-hmm. applaud the the combination of Steeler fandom and the Inzer accent uh, being utilized in that way. I, I'm appreciative of that. Sorry, where were we? I had the, I just had the <laughs> no. I was I, I, with the state of the Texans' offensive line. It almost makes you wonder what on, what in the world happened on Sunday with the Jaguars oh, that they weren't well, able to get a bunch of dumb stuff. Their fullback returned to kickoff for a touchdown. Trevor Lawrence threw an interception like right to a guy. Uh, it, it was just a it was one of those dumb stuff games where it's kind of like the Steelers against the Niners where, like, so much bad happened that you can't even really learn anything from it because that much bad stuff is never going to happen to you again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched a little bit of that game. I, I didn't go back and watch it. There was no reason for me to look at it on tape or anything like that. But it did just seem like one of those games. Um, but especially, you know, you look at the advantage that the Steelers should have in the front seven. And 
like TJ Watt off to uh, one heck of a start here. And I don't know that enough people are talking about it. I think maybe we're just taking the player too much for granted at this point. Six sacks, well, 12 pressures. His pass rush win rate isn't good enough. Yeah, that's, that's true. Why. That's why yeah. we're not mentioning him, you know, his his like Hall of Fame pace to the start of, well, not just this season, but his career. But he's even way above that this year. Go ahead, read him off. Uh, six sacks, 12 pressures, two fumble recoveries, a defensive touchdown, couple pass deflections to add to that as well. Uh, That's if you want to bring in season, That's like yeah. a good season. Well, he only had five and a half sacks last year. I know he, he was limited last sacks year. But... In three games that he only missed seven games last year. Mm-hmm. So he has more sacks this year in three games than he had last year in 10. He's an um. We know not enough people are talking about how good TJ Watt has been this year. It is an absolutely historic pace to start the season in terms of impact. And uh, D'Amico Ryans, head coach of the Houston Texans, said today on our conference call, uh, he thinks that TJ Watt is the most impactful defensive player in all of football right now. I can't see who, like, who would be second. Like, he, he's, he's running away with the defensive player of the year. It's three weeks. I understand it's early. But he's built up like a half second, a half season pace. We talk I mean, thirty-four sacks. That's the pace. Thirty-four mm-hmm. sacks. Yeah. The record like, is twenty-two and a half. Yeah. Like and the 49ers have a good offensive line. Cleveland has a great offensive line. It's not like he's been playing against bad teams. Um this well. like you I, I think people have taken TJ Watt for granted in some ways. And then we've kind of gotten numb to his greatness, but man, he is—he has been incredible this year. I so we recorded an episode of Around the Four One Two last night, and Tyler asked me if I thought this was the best version of TJ Watt, and I don't want to take away from him. I, I think it is, but I don't want to take away from him when saying this. But I also start to look at you know the supporting cast that he has with this version of Alex Highsmith on the other side, not just like the previous versions of Alex Highsmith. Alex Highsmith continuing to get better on his own. Marcus Golden behind them as a third edge rusher. I know we haven't seen a ton of Nick Herbig yet in the regular season, but I also just look at like the pass rush group that they have, and I can't think of the last time that they were this deep, four deep at that position either. Yeah, they're incredibly deep. Uh, he's staying fresher, I think, uh, and. You know, like, J.J. Watt was on Pat McAfee's show today, and he was talking about how he just seems otherworldly focused on being great right now. And I think when you have uh, a talented player who um, is obviously has incredible physical talent, but when you take that with that like, absurd desire to be great, I think that's how you get what we're seeing from T.J. Watt. I mean, J.J. broke down – um, one play against the Raiders, you may have noticed it where it was a play-action pass. It was the first sack of the game. T.J. comes off his usual spot at a left outside linebacker, just doesn't bite on the play-action at all, goes right around the tackle, who uh, hadn't given up a pressure the entire season to that point, goes right around him like he's not even there, and uh, makes the sack of Jimmy Garoppolo, first sack of Garoppolo this season, and he points over to the sideline, just you know, a very yeah. demonstrative point at the sideline. And J.J. was like, I had to ask TJ, what did you see? What were you pointing at? And he said, TJ, they ran that play last year against the Raiders in December. The Raiders ran it, and he bit on the fake. And he said, this, he said, he told Mike Tomlin this week, when they run that play again, 
I'm not going to bite on the fake this time. And then he sees the play coming, doesn't bite on the fake. It's one thing to see it, right? It's one thing to do detailed enough film study. I could, if you gave me all week to sit there and watch the Raiders and watch the Raiders with detail, I bet I could pick out a play. But then to get the one-on-one and smoke the tackle to do it, uh, it's just a combination of incredible preparation along with talent. And when Mike Tomlin talks about how, like, there's watching, there's there's watching film and then they're studying it, I think that is really the uh, that that's it. That's that's all what it is right there. And so he gives a little point to Tomlin on the sideline after the sack, and then uh, you know his second sack of the game is just it's the same thing, right? Where because and TJ talked about this after the game about how the silent count at home helps the pass rushers. Well, you see the Raiders working on a silent count, and as soon as that center picks his head up, you know he's going to snap the ball, and TJ just beats the tackle out of a stance. Like, he's literally ahead of the offensive lineman uh, because he knows exactly what's coming and when it's coming, and he, he just beats him to the spot. And TJ's not – I mean, he's fast, don't get me wrong, but it's not mm-hmm. like he's just this, like, quick twitch, like, absurd athlete where he's beating people off the edge – all day long. That's exactly because he has studied the people and their movements and he knows exactly what's coming when it's coming. What a freak. And uh, I think he's, you know, he's nearly, he's, he's willing the Steelers defense to, uh, to, to victories with the splash that he's creating. And it's not just the sacks. He, his pressure single-handedly creates the Patrick Peterson interception that leads to the go ahead touchdown in that Raiders game. Like he, it's not just the sacks. It's not just two plays a game. It's way more than that. And, uh, yeah, I think we need to be talking about him even more. He's, he's been incredible. I want to ask you, this is, I obviously want to continue to come back to this and have this conversation, but I don't know that we've talked about this. Was there any part of you that was a little bit worried about he, how he would come back from the injuries? You know, the, the groin thing in 21 last year with the pack and the little bit of a knee cleanup that he had done as well in that time off. Was there any part of you that wondered what version of TJ Watt we would get this year? Yeah, I think especially because, you know, it was pretty clear when he came back that he wasn't 100%. And, you know, if he had come back, well, let's say he had taken longer to come back, but when he came back at the end of the year, like he just looked like old TJ. I think maybe you'd have come into the season sort of expecting, maybe not this, because this is completely unprecedented in the history of the game, but, um, you know, normal TJ Watt. But I think maybe because of the injury, uh, I do think expectations were a bit more muted for TJ this year, just in terms of would he be as good as he was in 2021 again this year, coming back from not just the pec, but as you mentioned, the knee injury. And he had like a rib injury too, right? He had like three injuries last year. Oh, yeah. I forgot now, about the rib. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, he's got to stay healthy in order to, you know, we're talking about on pace for, you know, that doesn't mean anything if he goes out and misses five games. But man, he's been so good. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's insane to say this, but TJ Watt has vastly exceeded my expectations for this season so far. What do you think? Do you think it is just a matter of, you know, where he's at mentally now, knowing what tackles are going to do? That is the difference for why this is the best version? Because, like, he was in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation in 19 and 20 before winning it in 21. And now, if we're saying this is the best version of him, like, how, how, what makes it the best version of him? I think it's the the combination of like years of that kind of work paying off and then still being physically near the top of his game. You know, like I think 
there's 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 these two curves to a football player's career, right? Where like athletic ability starts at the top and only ever goes down, and knowledge of the game starts at the bottom and only ever goes up, right? Like if if you kind of graph those two lines, and I think you know TJ is kind of at a point where he's he still has all of his athletic ability. You know, he's not old enough that there's been a physical decline because of age, and he's been able to fully recover from the injuries that he's had. But also now years of that kind of study where, like, he's able to say, like, oh, I remember this play from the last time the Raiders played us and they got me on it. I'm going to watch it over and over again to make sure that I can pick it out this time and I don't get got. Like, you don't you don't have that when you're a younger player. Right. You've got other stuff to worry about. You're more worried about what you're doing and knowing where to go and, and being on the same page with the rest of your defense. I think TJ is just at the point now where he's really able to spend some time on those nitty gritty details and really master them in a way that makes him so special. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been fun to watch. It'll be interesting to see how he adds to that. Because, again, you mentioned, like, it's not like he's played a bunch of bad offensive lines in these first three games right. either. Now we're talking about this Texans like if, one. He could have, like, four more in this game. Like, that's real. Like, if you were putting an over-under line for gambling for T.J. Watt's sacks in this game, I haven't looked it up, so this is off the cuff. Where would you put it? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, being – I guess kind of you could almost say it's being generous to Houston, but it's like two and a half is where I would say it would be. Two and but a half has to be it. But has that yeah. ever even had? Has anybody ever had a two and a half sacks line coming into a game? Like that's got to be that's got to be absurd. Right. Yeah. And I mean, what's your feel though on the other side? You know, with Alex Highsmith, who now we know like it doesn't look like Laramie Tunsil is going to be back either. You know, like how do you yeah, I mean, how do you balance it? it? The, the, the limiting factor for T.J. Watt might be um, being the first Steelers player to the quarterback. That that could be the hardest part of this game for him. Uh, yeah. Absolutely, is that? And look up the middle. I mean, hey, yeah. Was the real, I think the Steelers miscast Kendra Green, and the biggest mistake they made was assuming that he could play center, and not that like he was just this unplayable football player that they totally um, mm-hmm. whiffed on. I, I I think he's a good athlete. In space, I think he can be a good run blocker, but he's not a great pass blocker either. I mean, I think Keanu Benton could get back there again in this game too. I think, you know, you could see a lot of guys contribute. I I don't expect the Steelers to blitz much. Um, so, I, you know, I do think it's more of like a four down lineman kind of game. Uh, do we want to get into that now? Because I think that's, yeah. that's the part of this, this game. The, the way I see this game playing out, I think that's an important part of the story. Uh, NFL Next Gen Stats uh, does a good job of tracking all sorts of things, and, and they send out a newsletter each week with some of the interesting uh, things about the game that they've seen or they've found. And, um, you know, I think uh, they highlighted this week um, C.J. Stroud and his ability his ability to uh, continue to be a very good quarterback while being blitzed which is not necessarily um, usually the case when you're talking about a rookie. So I don't really think, you know, if you think about the way the Steelers have handled some athletic quarterbacks in the past, um, Mm -hmm. sometimes I think the game plan has been kind of hands off, right? Where it's like, Hey, just, uh, you know, let this guy beat us with his arm kind of thing. And and I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of Steelers blitzes. I think we're going to see a lot of four man rush assume 
those four guys can beat the five uh, that Houston is going to put out there and make C.J. Stroud make those throws as opposed to kind of giving him that sort of, you know, if you're a quarterback who's good against the blitz, the blitz honestly gives you kind of the blueprint. Like, oh, where do I throw? Well, if I don't know where to throw, the blitz is telling me, right? Oh, here's where the blitz is coming. That's where the ball needs to go to. If you're having a harder time doing that, uh, maybe you don't blitz a guy. So I kind of feel like that's the Steelers' uh, best defensive game plan for this. And um, so I think it's going to be a lot of four on five, and I think the Steelers should feel good about that. Let's just say that even kind of plays to the Steelers' hand as well, you know, with their ability to get after the quarterback, the state of the Texans' offensive line. The Steelers also, you know, we've talked about the sacks, the pressures they have, also eight takeaways through three weeks leading the NFL. So, I mean, C.J. Stroud has not thrown an interception. We talked about the line for uh, for T.J. Watt with sacks. Predictively, do you think that we see C.J. Stroud's first interception come in this football game? Yeah, I feel like every quarterback or offense that plays the Steelers, and it's like, oh, you haven't given up a sack, you haven't thrown an interception, you haven't fumbled with a ball. Like, this will be the game that happens. Like, uh, this defense is sort of defying characterization um, because generally I think we, we talk about great defenses as units that prevent scoring and or prevent yards from being gained. Right. I mean, those are kind of the, the classic ways mm-hmm. to define defensive greatness. But when you're taking away the ball as much as the Steelers are, and when you're getting sacks and drawing penalties at the level that the Steelers are, you're just wrecking drives with one play over and over again. And so, like, it's, it's honestly like a different kind of greatness that I think I would be really interested to, to maybe like play around with like, EPA per play or like something like that, where like there's, there's gotta be a metric here, maybe like win probability or or something like that. But like the way this defense is creating splash at such a high level is really just, um, it's like off the charts. Good. Like, I I don't know. I don't really know how to describe it. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, so I look at this matchup. If they are only going to be, you know, rushing four and you know dropping everybody else, it's going to be interesting. Like, what kind of like packages do we see in this game? Could we could this be a game where we do see you know more of Joey Porter Jr.? Could we see an increase in snaps again? Could we see a lot of like three safety stuff with Keanu Neal on the field as well? Like, predictively from this defense, what type of packages do you think that we see a lot of? You know, I I think that kind of really leaves them available to play a lot of different stuff. Uh, I doubt we'll see as much base as we have in the first three weeks. That that feels like more for those more run-heavy teams. Not that Damian Pierce isn't a good running back, but, but he is not those those first three guys, you know, very clearly. And uh, and so I think this feels to me like like a like a lot of nickel game where we'll see a lot of Shannon Sullivan. Um, I think it could be a game where we see some of more than we've seen of Joey Porter Jr. outside and, and Patrick Peterson moving into the slot, especially when you think about the way the Texans can line them up, really. I mean, I don't think their multiple tight ends or, or running back looks really scare anyone. Like, I feel like there are three and four wide receiver t- offense uh, more than they are like a multiple kind of like Baltimore Ravens, the, uh, you know, multiple blockers in the field kind of scheme. So, I think maybe more nickel um, in, in all of its varieties, the three safety nickel, the standard nickel, and 
But I started calling him Skinny Nickel, uh, which would be with Joey and, and Pat Pete out there. Because we have a heavy nickel with three safeties, and you yeah. have to come up with something else to call that version of it. So I'm calling it the Skinny Nickel uh, with, with Patrick Peterson in the slot. I think this is a good week for that. Uh, also, would really love to see, um, you know, that I think they can uh, use Minka Fitzpatrick. Like, when I think about what you want to do to a rookie quarterback, I think yeah. make him account for that guy, right? Like find where he is on the field every play and make that be a different spot as as often as you can. And so we've seen, you know, they use Minka Fitzpatrick as a sort of de facto slot corner in that three safety nickel. We've seen them use him as a de facto outside corner in a, in a three, four, three safety look. I expect them to do a little bit of that and a little bit of everything else. Just, Pick a spot, and you'll probably see 39 there at least once just to keep C.J. Stroud looking for that guy to make sure he's not throwing at him. And I think the combination of kind of keep him in the pocket, don't let him use his legs, and make him make plays through the air by analyzing where you have your guys on defense are, give T.J. and Alex Highsmith time to get to the quarterback. It seems like a very, very winnable game plan for the Steelers defense. Predictively, Minka, that's the guy I think gets one on Sunday. Um, what about Desmond I picked, King? I picked in my uh, in my, my pregame primer for the Raiders game. I said uh, the Steelers would get an interception. And I said, well, that's not – I make a bold prediction in that one. Well, that's not bold enough. So I said that Joey would get one. And, of course, the outside uh, corners get three interceptions. Three. And it was not Joey. Uh, yeah. But I, I was close. Um, Minka getting an interception doesn't feel especially bold either anymore. Uh, no. He's he's that good too, but certainly could see this being the week that he gets one. Um, what about Desmond King? Zero defensive snaps on Sunday, just seven on special teams. This is going to be a little bit of a revenge game for him going back to Houston. Do we see any type of increased role? Yeah, I mean, I think especially because now I think this week. Here's the thing: if Gunner's healthy, does he play? I think that's a real question mark. Yeah. Um, I can see Gunner getting that helmet back and Desmond King going back to, you know, the press box uh, because they only dressed four wide receivers for the last game. Yeah. And I don't really feel like that's something they want to make a habit of. Although, like, Boykin didn't really play that much and Gunner didn't mm-hmm. play that much in the game where he got hurt. So, I mean, it's not – I guess it's not a, uh, a sure thing, but I think it's very possible that if Gunner's healthy – that he takes that that spot back, but if he doesn't, I would think the number of of nickel reps that we're talking about could could mean some playing time for Desmond King in that nickel spot. Uh, if he's going to have a helmet anyway, and you're going to play a ton of nickel, why not use him? You know, I, I think I think that could be a, a thing that we could see, but we'll see. I'm I'm not sure about that one. We'll see how the week plays out. They have a bunch of other injuries that kind of Mike Tomlin sort of glossed over after the game, but then he brought up on. Tuesday, guys like Allen Robinson, uh, James Daniels. So we'll see where the, the whole injury picture stands later in the week, see who's getting the helmet and who's not. But uh, if the, if he is going to play, I can see Desmond King being useful in that role given how much nickel I expect him to play. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Alan, what do you think about getting a couple things from YouTube here? I do want to – Yeah, let's do it. Smitty Franklin, by the way. Franklin. Great name. They will be at the Texans game, but they do not have a smoker in the back of their pickup truck. Uh, so that's going to be. Well, you still got like 
three days to get one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did mention about JJ going to the Texans Ring of Honor too. I, I like. I almost keep forgetting that that's happening, but that really jacked up the ticket prices for this game as opposed to all the other Houston Texans home games. So that'll be a cool moment. Um, I have an email from one of those like vivid seats or one of those people uh, mm-hmm. that I am expecting to say I haven't opened it yet. I'm expecting to say that like 94% of the tickets that have sold have been to people from Pittsburgh or something absurd like that mm-hmm. uh, about this game. It just feels like that. It feels like another one's coming to me. And and with all due respect to Houston, uh, not as difficult of an assignment uh, to take over that stadium as it is uh, the Raiders for their home opener. But uh, right. yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of black and gold again. Um, I'm jacked about hit- this game. Oh, by the way, have we talked about what I'm doing here? I'm flying to to Dallas, and I'm okay. covering West Virginia on Saturday at TCU. Oh, um, no, I didn't know. I've, <laughs> I've never covered a West Virginia game. I've never covered a game at TCU, uh, and so I'm fired up about that for our our brother site there, West Virginia Sports Now. Um, so that should be fun. I'm excited, and then I'm driving from Dallas. So that's like an early game, and then I'm driving from Dallas to uh to houston that night and then i have steelers and texans on sunday so i'm i'm fired up i haven't done any like dumb allen driving stuff in a while so this is if you're if you're if you're new to the me experience this is not a new thing but this will be the first Mm -hmm. and probably really only one of these this year i don't really see the schedule lining up for this sort of nonsense to occur too often for me but Back when I was covering the Steelers and Pitt and high school football all at the same time, I frequently have these sort of multiple stop weekends or add in like the Pirates and Pitt football and Pitt basketball. And mm-hmm. I've done some crazy stuff in my day. This one, relatively calmly, just a little three-hour postgame drive there. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's, that's not really that big of a deal. But uh, yeah. Think about how many times you could play. Think about how many times you could play our intro music on that ride. Mm-hmm. Just on a loop. <laughs> I think I might get tired of it if I was. Yeah, at hours. some point, I'm sure but you that's would. That's about what it would take. That's about what it would take. Um, Mananda Hala Mike also mentioned about Keanu Benton, who's uh, Keanu Benton, who Mike, has impressed. We should be thankful slips. is still alive after his mother-in-law comment a few weeks oh, ago. Yeah, that's right. Let's just let's just uh, let's be glad that Mike is okay, and let's hope that his marriage is too. Continue about uh, about Mike's uh, Mike's comment here. Yeah, Keanu Benton, who's impressed in limited snaps. Um, do you think that there's a chance that he takes on an increased role? Obviously, still no Cam Hayward. Could we expect his snaps to continue to jump, or is he kind of like is he where the team expects him to be at? Like, and just this is kind of his role. I think we should expect to see his snaps grow. I think I could make a very good case that he should be the starting nose tackle over Mont Adams and that they should move Mont to a starter at that, you know, 4-3, four-man front defensive tackle where, like, you could mm-hmm. really split those roles up to be, okay, in base defense, it's Joby, Benton, Leal, and then when you go to the four-man front, it would be Larry and it would be Adams. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think you could do that. You could you could make that happen by dressing Braden Fajoko, scratching Isaiah Lottermilk, who didn't get very many reps last week anyway. Uh, and you, you could make Fajoko the backup nose tackle. 
and just play Mont as a three tech and just play Benton as the nose and sort of make him a de facto starter there. And then look, he would get in the rotation behind Larry and, and you know, he would probably be in that second group with Armand Watts to come in and play some three tech behind uh, Adams and, and Larry. I think that would, that to me is the way I would deploy the defensive line to maximize everyone's abilities. And it would not surprise me if we see that, but this is not a big base defense week. So like, I think yeah, in general, right. you're going to see his role continue to increase, but maybe specifically not this week, just because I don't think you're going to see a lot of nose tackle played by the Steelers this week. Right. And that, that makes sense. But yeah, Keanu Benton, definitely the early returns. He's impressed at his first sack on Sunday night. Man, he was really the one guy on this, on this rookie class that you kind of looked at where he was drafted and where the Steelers took him. You said, eh, okay, like every other guy, I think the Steelers got well after they were expected to be drafted. Where like every, especially mm-hmm. like Porter in the second round, Washington falling deep into the third round, trading down, still getting Washington and then getting Nick Herbig. Like every other move early in this draft class, we kind of talked about like, yeah. Omar, the, the king, you know, like, oh, the Steelers, mm-hmm. just everything fell perfectly for him. That was the one where I felt like maybe he got drafted a bit ahead of where the consensus was for him. And it sure looks like they nailed that one too, right? Like, he looks like he could be the best player in this rookie class. Like, certainly the way he's, the way he's contributing to the game right now is certainly ahead of where everybody else is. Yeah, I, I loved the pick. I was super high on him, probably higher – than most people. I felt like there was no way they were leaving draft weekend without either one of him or Javon Dexter, and they got him. So I was super Yeah, I really liked him, too. I just kind of figured those tackles, you know, not yeah. that big in the game. It kind of felt like more of a third-round pick to me. Obviously, 49 isn't that far from the third round, but he was a guy that really mm-hmm. popped uh, for me and Nick when we were down at the Senior Bowl, and I think uh, his play in that Wisconsin defense just being so similar to the Steelers uh, yep. makes a lot of sense for him being an early contributor here and a guy that was able to pick things up right away. Also, to quote Carl Dunbar, you don't have to be smart to play defensive line. Uh, there's, only, there's only one way to go towards the football. Uh, it's not complicated. So That's amazing. Uh, I, I, I love it. And, uh, yeah, but he's been great, man. All right. Well, we will leave it at that for today. Alan, you can tell the people where they can find you. At A Saunders underscore PGH on X. At PGH Steelers Now is the site's account there. SteelersNow.com. Got to go there to read the word. Derek Bell, great breakdown today on some hope for the Steelers running game, which I have not felt in quite some time. Got to be an SN Plus subscriber to get that one. Get 10% off if you use the code Allen10 on a one-year subscription. Uh, We really want to have you over there. That is the money that goes uh, to doing cool stuff like me being in Houston this week. And so definitely appreciate everyone that goes over there and subscribes. Uh, also, uh, subscribe and click the bell for notifications here on the YouTube channel. If that's where you're watching, we are this close. A Mario mm-hmm. LeBue away from, uh, from 10,000. And uh, we got some giveaways coming up. Uh, I, we are giving away a Steelers jersey. I'm not telling you who it is, but if someone guesses correctly, I might give them like some bonus entries or something. It is also not... I'll give two today. It is not Mason Rudolph, and it is not Mitch Trubisky. So Dang, I, I've already ruled out Kenny Pickett. So it is not a quarterback. They're not giving wow. away a quarterback. I know okay. Steelers fans are going to be super upset that it's not Mason Rudolph. There's That's... at least like 
two. And if yeah. you're on Twitter, you know exactly who those two guys are. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, speaking of Twitter, you can find me at Zachary Smith PGH on there, on everywhere. As Alan said, like, subscribe, hit that notification bell here. Hit us in the comments so we can read those on tomorrow's episode. If you're listening somewhere else, leave us a five-star review there. We appreciate you can find us on Apple, Spotify, any podcast platform, wherever you can find your podcast. Other than that, for Alan Saunders, for Zachary Smith, this has been Steelers Afternoon Drive. Thanks for jumping in and taking another ride with us. 